Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. An old French proverb states, a good meal ought to begin with hunger. And I certainly hope you are hungry for what God has prepared for us Uh, this morning from his word. The truth God's going to share with us is best for us, and it's best for those that God will place around us this week. And so let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We walked in through the front door to Galatians chapter 6 last Sunday, and verse 1 greeted us in an amazing way. Verse 1 is packed full of God's rich truth and his goodness for our lives and relationships. And so we're going to get back right into verse 1 this morning. Paul wrote, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also may not be tempted. Paul shared a key point with us here in verse 1, actually at the beginning of verse 1. It's a point that we see in this verse, but it's a point that we're going to see stressed and emphasized by Paul throughout chapter 6. That point is simple. We need one another. I need you and you need me. Paul made this clear to us in the first three words of verse 1, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters means we are family in Jesus. It reminds us that we are family in Jesus. God has saved us by his grace through our faith in Jesus. God is working in each one of us to make us more and more like Jesus. And God uses us in his work of making us more like Jesus in one another's lives. Brothers and sisters has a lot of rich truth and meaning for you and for me. Paul continued, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, this literally means if someone, if a brother or sister in Christ is overtaken, is caught, is trapped in any wrongdoing or sin or misdeed. If we have a brother or sister in Christ that is caught, that has fallen into the trap of sin. Paul here, the very beginning of chapter 1, shares with us one reason why we need one another. And the point he's making here, immediately after telling us we need one another, brothers and sisters, if someone has overtaken any wrongdoing, one reason we need one another is because we need one another's help when one of us gives in to sin. We need one another's help. So Paul's instruction for us this morning is on point and on time for you and for me today. And so we see Paul pouring this truth into you and me. So let's take just a moment. I want to identify some points from this verse, this very first verse 
that will help us to understand and apply the truth in this verse in our lives and in our relationships. We covered the first two points last Sunday, so I'm going to summarize them briefly, and then we'll move on for what God has prepared for us. The first point that we see, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, lets us know spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. That's true for you and for me, for every follower of Jesus Christ. There is, as we've been sharing since chapter 5, there is a battle that rages inside of us for control of us between our flesh and the Holy Spirit every day, all through the day. We either walk by the flesh or we walk by the Spirit. Paul told us in chapter 5, I say then walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. We walk in our victory in Jesus as we walk by the Spirit. He leads, we follow. The right choice for us to make, the best choice for us to make, is to walk by the Spirit day by day. And the good news is we do this together because we're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. The second point is we must be alert. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, reminds us not only spiritual warfare is real, but we must be alert. You who are spiritual, Paul continued and said, you who are spiritual. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, he said, you who are spiritual. You who are spiritual describes Christ followers who were walking by the Spirit, not the flesh. You who are spiritual describes Christ followers who were keeping in step with the Spirit. You who are spiritual describes Christ followers who are walking in humble dependence on God and in obedience to God day by day. You who are spiritual understand this. God wants you who are spiritual to include you and me. You can almost write your name in there. You who are spiritual means me, if you're taking notes. God wants you who are spiritual to include you and me. Therefore, if that's going to happen, we must be alert. We must be spiritually alert for ourselves. We must be spiritually alert for one another. And as we established and will continue this teaching point, we established it last week, we'll continue this morning, being spiritually alert begins, it's, it's founded in humility. It's founded, it begins in humility. We know we can't, but God can. And so we humble ourselves before the Lord on a day-by-day -day basis. We bow in awe of God and how great God is and how desperately we need God every moment of every day so that we might walk by the Spirit. I love what David the psalmist said in Psalm 16, verse 2. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. The humble brother or sister in Christ understands that we have nothing good besides the Lord. God is good, and he does what is good for you and for me. And so as we unpack the truth in this passage, as we make our way into chapter 6, we are introduced to this teaching point that we're going to walk with throughout this chapter. We need one another, and we know this because spiritual warfare is real. We know this uh, because we must be alert due to the reality of spiritual warfare. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, we all deal with this battle 
with sin and with temptation, with wrongdoing. You who are spiritual, God wants you and me included in this point. And so now we continue unpacking God's truth for our lives as we continue making our way deeper and deeper into this amazing verse one. Paul wrote, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. This is one of the most challenging responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus. What we're getting ready to dialogue about, what God's getting ready to download into us, his truth for us, clearly is one of the most challenging responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus. It's one of the most delicate responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus. It's one of the most important responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus. The third point is we must restore one another. We must restore one another. Restore, as we take this verse apart, so we in particular take restore apart. Let's start. Restore is a present active imperative. That means restore is a command for us to obey. It's not a suggestion Paul is giving us to consider. It's in the active tense in, in the present tense, in the active mode, it's the imperative is a command. So it's in the present tense, which means restoring one another is to be our habit, our practice as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Restoring one another is to be one of our disciplines because we're family in Jesus. We're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Restore means to mend, to repair, to fit back together. To mend, to repair, to fit back together. Now there's some interesting background, some rich imagery. Restore is a word that was used by fishermen in Paul's day to describe mending their nets that had torn and ripped during fishing. Restore is a word that was used by surgeons in Paul's day to describe how they would reset a broken bone back into place in surgery. The meaning behind restore is something or someone is broken, dislocated, out of place, and unfit for use. The purpose of restore is to mend, correct, repair, to put back into place for continued use. Restore one another is a call from Paul to you and to me to spiritual surgery. What he's calling us to is spiritual surgery. When a brother or sister in Christ is caught in sin. When a brother or sister in Christ has been overtaken in sin, has fallen into the trap of sin, they are spiritually broken, dislocated, they're out of place with God, and they're out of place with their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. When a brother or sister in Christ is, is caught in sin, they've fallen into the trap of sin, they need our help to get up and to get back into place spiritually. 
John MacArthur, a prominent pastor and author today, said restore basically means pick them up, lift them up. That is our responsibility. It's a responsibility we have as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So when a brother or sister in Christ is caught or overtaken in sin, when a brother or sister in Christ has fallen into the trap of sin, when they've given in the temptation and they've turned away from God and their sin against God, we shouldn't attack them. We shouldn't criticize them. We shouldn't condemn them. We shouldn't embarrass them. We shouldn't ignore them. We shouldn't laugh at them. We shouldn't rejoice that they have finally gotten what they deserve and they have fallen into the trap of sin and they're getting what they deserve. We should run to them so that we can restore them. We should run to them so that we might be able to restore them. Paul said, restore such a person. Such a person is again a reference to our brothers and sisters, which is a reference to our family in Jesus. So what Paul's talking about here is restoring our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So when he tells us to restore one another, to restore such a person, he's talking about family, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're to run to one another so that we might restore one another spiritually. Thankfully, Paul gives us some instruction on how to do this because we need this instruction. Now, just so that we know and are reminded that this isn't something that Paul was just preaching and that he didn't practice, let me remind us, if you turn to your left, to chapter 2 of what we walk through when we were making our way through chapter 2, and in particular in verse 11, Paul wrote, but when Cephas, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. I'm sure you remember as we went through that passage, Paul said, I opposed Peter to his face because he stood condemned. What is he saying? He said, I restored Peter because he had been overtaken in a wrongdoing. I restored Peter because he had been caught in sin. And so Paul practiced this truth. He didn't just preach it, he practiced it. And so as we look at this passage, we're gonna be able to understand and realize, okay, we're walking with Paul because not only did he practice this, he, he gave us some instructions about how to do it and he actually followed the instructions that he gave us on how to do this so that we all win in the end as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And so we restore one another first righteously. The first way we restore one another is righteously. We need God's help to live God's way, which is why God gave us his Holy Spirit. When God saved us, he gave us his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us live God's way. And we certainly need the Holy Spirit when we're talking about restoring one another. So let's make sure we get that clear at the beginning. We need the Holy Spirit when we're talking about restoring one another. One of the main reasons why restoring one another is so challenging, so delicate, so difficult, so important is because judging one another, in, uh, restoring one another includes judging one another. 
don't judge me is a rallying cry for many people today. Don't judge me is spoken often with passion and intent, even by some who are followers of Jesus Christ. Don't judge me. Jesus actually commanded us to judge one another. Judge means to choose to discern, to distinguish between right and wrong and good and evil. In John chapter 7, Jesus was teaching in the temple complex. And the Jewish religious leaders were angry with Jesus, which was not unusual. Because Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. Jesus rebuked the Jewish religious leaders for their hypocrisy because they circumcised males on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, if it's okay for you to circumcise one part of the body on the Sabbath, why isn't it okay for me to heal the whole body on the Sabbath? And then he shared these words in John chapter 7 and verse 24. Stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. Jesus gave us two commands in this verse. Two commands. First command, stop judging. Stop judging according to outward appearances. The second command, judge. Start judging according to righteous judgment. We judge righteously if a brother or sister in Christ is caught in sin by the Spirit's help according to the Word of God, not our opinions. We know what sin and wrongdoing is because God has told us what sin and wrongdoing is in His Word. Sin is anything we think, say, or do that is unpleasing to God and that violates the truth of God's Word. It's anything we think, say, or do that goes against what God has spoken to us in His Word. And so what Paul is telling us is we're able to judge one another righteously. We're able to judge if our brother or sister in Christ is caught in sin by comparing their lives, their words, and their actions with the truth of God's word. By lining up their lives, words, and actions with the truth of God's word. If God, say that with me out loud, if God reveals to us by his spirit in us that our brother or sister is living for Jesus and is not overtaken in sin, then we encourage them and we rejoice with them and we walk with them. If God, say that with me out loud, if God reveals to us by his spirit in us that our brother or sister in Christ has been overtaken or caught in sin, if the Holy Spirit reveals to us 
that by our brother or sister's actions, words, or lifestyle, they have been caught and fallen into the trap of sin, we restore them. We run to them so that we might restore them. We don't ridicule them. We don't make fun of them. We don't put them on blast. We don't embarrass them. We don't ignore them. We don't criticize them. We don't condemn them. We run to them so that we might be able to restore them. Restoring one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is so important because we never win living in sin. So we understand this. So we restore one another. Remember, this is important, remember, we do not judge those who do not have a relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus. We don't judge. We don't judge those who, have a, who don't have a relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Let's just take uh, a quick moment and let, let's bow in prayer. Father God, we pray right now uh, that you would uh, uh, just take over and take charge and help our brother right now who is struggling. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would minister to him. Father, we pray that you would give peace where it's needed. We pray that you would give wisdom where it's needed. We pray that you would give clarity of mind where it's needed. God, we pray that you would give strength. We pray that you give healing, God. We pray that uh, whatever's going on is not outside of your wisdom, your care, your power, your strength. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, use our brothers and sisters in Jesus to help uh, this brother to uh, be able to be uh, restored clearly uh, and quickly back to uh, his health here uh, in these moments. And we pray this in a powerful, victorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I think it's, it's pretty clear uh, even now here in this time together, we need one another. Um, not that we needed this as an example of how bad we need one another, but clearly we need one another, and as you can tell, uh, we are responding in that way that is necessary as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So let's, let's focus back in. This is a key point as we look to the, the next issue, the next opportunity, the next way we restore one another. Let's remind ourselves, because I think this is where at times we get confused. This is where at times uh, we, we make mistakes, uh, and this is... Uh, uh, something that's vitally important for us to understand. We don't judge those who do not have a relationship with God by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. We don't judge those who don't have a relationship with God because since they don't have a relationship with God, they don't have the Spirit of God living with them, in them, therefore they can't live for God. We share the gospel with those who don't have a relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus. We minister to those who are outside of the body of Christ. We love those and we reach out to those who don't have a relationship with God through faith in Christ Jesus. We don't judge in a condemning, critical way how they live their lives because they don't yet have a relationship with God. They don't have the Spirit of God. They desperately need God's help by His grace through their faith in Jesus. God judges those and will judge all those who are outside the church, not us. God asks us, however, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to judge 
one another. Why? So that we might restore one another righteously. If we're going to restore one another, then we understand and realize the very definition of what Paul is saying. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you are spiritual. Restore such a person with a gentle spirit. We're going to restore them righteously. Because most of the time, folks who are overtaken by any wrongdoing aren't going around going, whoop, yep, that's me. I'm sinning great today. Somebody please restore me. I need some help. Let me tell you about how bad I am right now. Man, I am so, so off. Would you restore me? No. What happens when we fall in the trap of sin? What generally happens? What is our general mode of operation when we fall into sin? We covered up. We covered up. We pull back. We put on a face, act like everything's great. So there, there is that time. And this is why it's so challenging. We are called to judge one another. Why? So that we might restore one another. And so we know we restore one another righteously. Second, we restore one another gently. Just as the right equipment is necessary for a surgeon to perform a successful surgery, so the right spirit is necessary for us as followers of Jesus to restore one another successfully. And so we are to restore one another gently. Now, Paul's already warned us about a wrong spirit. Paul already warned us about wrong motives right before we came into chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 26, Paul said, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Remember, Paul said, pride is out of place in a follower of Christ. And so pride is not the right spirit to go to someone in regards to restoration. Pride or legalism or a critical spirit, that's not the right spirit for anything, quite honestly, spiritually related for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And pride is certainly not the right spirit to go to our brother or sister in Christ who's caught in sin. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. He warned us about the wrong spirit. He warned us about uh, wrong motives when it comes to restoring one another. Jesus said, don't judge one another arrogantly as if you were better than one another. And don't criticize and contemn your brother or sister in Christ for the sin in their lives while you, at the same point in time, excuse, ignore, or justify the sin in your life. Jesus said, why is it that you continue to focus on the splinter in your brother's eye and you don't see the beam of wood in your own eye? Prideful, legalistic, critical spirit. If we go to a brother or sister in Christ who's caught in sin with that kind of spirit, it's first and foremost a sin against God. Secondly, it's going to push that believer further away from God. We restore one another righteously. We restore one another gently. The right spirit of restoration is a gentle spirit. Paul said, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. A gentle spirit. Remember, gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. As we walk by the spirit, God reminds us of how gentle he is with us. He reminds us. 
of his gentleness towards us. And God, by his spirit in us, fills us with the fruit of gentleness so that we can express and pour it out liberally and generously to one another in our lives and relationships. And so we understand gentleness is God's grace and God's love and God's kindness in action. And so when we know a brother or sister in Christ is caught in a trap of sin, when we know that they have fallen into sin, they're overtaken by a wrongdoing, we're to restore them righteously. We need to make sure that we're in the word, that we're looking to the Lord, that we're in his word, that his spirit is moving, his spirit is convincing us and confirming in us that it's time for us to run and to restore them. And then as we run to them to restore them, we're going to restore them gently. You see, a gentle spirit doesn't embarrass, doesn't shame our brother and sister in Jesus. It draws them back to Jesus. There's that gentleness, that grace, and that love, and that kindness of Christ Jesus in action through us that helps to draw them back to Jesus. So we restore one another righteously. We restore one another gently. And then Paul continues and says, restore one another humbly. He says, you are spiritual. Restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also may not be tempted. As we restore one another righteously and gently, as we restore a brother or sister in Christ who is caught in sin, Paul warned us, watch out for yourselves. Watching out for yourselves means literally keeping a close eye on yourselves. It's a present participle, present tense, and it means a continuing action. So what he's saying is, as we are walking by the Spirit, as we're restoring one another, we need to make sure that we are continually, daily, step by step, watching out for ourselves. We must make sure that we're keeping a close eye on ourselves consistently. We must keep a close eye on ourselves. That's part of being spiritually alert. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know we are not above temptation. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know we are not immune to temptation. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know we are prone to wander away from God into sin. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know we need God's forgiveness and grace day by day. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know we need to walk by the Spirit, not the flesh. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know we are weak, but He is strong. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know God's grace is sufficient for us and his power is perfected in our weakness. Therefore, we can boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses because that's when Christ's power rests on us. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know we're able to be strong in the Lord and in his vast strength. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know when we ask, seek, and knock to God in prayer. He hears us and answers us according to his will for us, which is best for us. We keep a close eye on ourselves because we know our adversary, the devil, is prowling around us like a roaring lion looking for an opportunity to devour you and me. We know this. And so we certainly restore one another righteously. We restore one another gently. And we restore one another humbly. Restoring one another, here's a simple formula. If you want to just boil it down to a formula uh, in a sentence, 
you can write it out in this way. Restoring one another means we look up and we look in before we look out. We look up to the Lord for his strength day by day. We look in at our own lives, making sure that we're walking by the Spirit, not the flesh, making sure that the Holy Spirit is continuing to have charge and control of us, and there's nothing he is convicting us, no sin, no wrongdoing he's convicting of us. And then we look out as we walk by the Spirit for our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we might be used by God in his restoration work when and if necessary. Let me also share real quickly Watching out for ourselves or keeping a close eye on ourselves also includes and requires us to set boundaries for ourselves to help us resist sin and temptation. Boundaries are a wonderful way to express our humility before the Lord and to increase our success in walking by the Spirit. These boundaries may include Seeking out an accountability partner, a brother or sister in Christ who you can be honest with, who please, 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 you are sure you can trust. You've got a relationship with them. You can trust them. And you're able to share with them and they can share with you and they can hold you accountable. It includes prayer partners, getting a a couple of brothers or sisters in Christ or as many as you want around you who will pray for you and you can pray for them. It includes, the boundary includes maybe limiting your time on social media. Here's another potential boundary, getting off social media. If and only if that is an avenue the enemy uses to overtake you in sin. It includes, a great boundary includes committing in this new year to scripture memory. Committing to just filling your mind with the truth of God's word. A great boundary is committing to spend more time with your godly friends than you have been. Maybe it's to dig deeper into your life team or to get connected to a life team or to sign up for a Bible study or to get involved in serving each week here in the ministries of our church. Another great boundary at times is to seek out biblical counseling. To be humble enough to seek out biblical counseling and and help for an area, for a temptation, for a struggle point that, that just seems to, to keep popping up. See, humility reminds us of our desperate need for God. Humility makes us sensitive to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are caught in sin. Humility helps us speak truth to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are caught in sin. Humility shows our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are caught in sin. Restoring one another requires us, as if you haven't already been able to pick up the theme. It's there at the beginning, brothers and sisters, and it's going to continue throughout this chapter. And it's this simple theme. We know we need each other, but restoring one another requires us to be involved with one another. Requires us to be involved with one another. As the writer of Hebrews said, let us not neglect 
gathering together. Let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But no, let's gather together. Let's be involved all the more now as we see the day approaching. You see, as we get involved with one another, we're able to know one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. That's what we're called to do. We're to do life together. And as we do life together, we know one another. As we do life together, we listen to one another. We learn about one another. We grow in our love for one another. As we do life together, we pray with and for one another. We're able to meet one another's needs because we know what one another's needs are. As we do life with one another, we are able to be so connected to one another that we're able to watch out for one another and we're able to restore one another when it's needed. Remember, Satan's plan is isolation. God's plan is connection. We stay connected to God as we walk by the Spirit, and then God empowers us to stay connected to one one another by fulfilling all the one another's that we see in the New Testament, including this vitally important one another, which is to restore one another. We're family in Jesus. We need one another. Restoring one another is a must for us because we never win living in sin. Restoring one another is a must for us because we don't want to miss out on anything God wants to do in us, for us, through us, and around us. And restoring one another starts by simply pointing one another back to God, to the grace and forgiveness and mercy of God that we have in Christ Jesus. As John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us and purify us of all of our unrighteousness. Restoring one another is that work of helping to set one another back into place spiritually so that we can continue to be used by God in service for God to one another and with one another. And as we certainly know by the testimony of our lives, the truth is we may be the ones restoring today and we may be the ones being restored tomorrow. We restore one another righteously because we want to be restored by one another righteously. We restore one another gently because we want to be restored by one another gently. We restore one another humbly because we want to be restored by one another humbly. And as we walk by the Spirit, we join God in His work. He uses us to restore our brothers and sisters in Christ, which at times includes Restoring one another shows and demonstrates our love for God and our obedience to God. Even in the challenging, difficult, delicate commands that he's given to us. Restoring one another shows and demonstrates our love for one another and our commitment to one another. As brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. I want you to just think with me for a moment as we begin to to wrap this all together, as God has downloaded this truth to us. When a brother or sister in Christ 
is caught in sin. When a brother or sister in Christ is overtaken in a sin, when they've fallen into the trap of sin, we know, we know that they are dealing with the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives, which is great encouragement for all of us. Because one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is he convicts us. And he's the one who draws us. He's the one who's at work in us, drawing us back to God, convicting us so that we might confess our sin. So when we see a brother or sister in Christ who is overtaken in sin, we know that within them, they are wrestling with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What we don't know what we don't know is how long they may have been wrestling with that particular sin. What we don't know is how desperately they may have been fighting to overcome that sin. What we don't know is the amount of shame and guilt and discouragement they are wrestling with internally because of the lies of the enemy, because they continue to struggle. And that area that, that seemingly is impossible for them to get victory over, which highlights it highlights for us why it's so vitally important for us not to go to restore in a prideful, legalistic, critical, condemning spirit because all that's going to do is heap on more shame and guilt. It's going to crush and push them further and further away from the Lord. It's why it's so important that Paul said, no, 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 when you go, go righteously. Go gently, go humbly, go to them, grab them by the arm, love them, and begin to allow the Spirit to work through you as you point them back to God, to His forgiveness his grace, his restoration that is available to them in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also may not be tempted. Let's bow in prayer. The Lord is speaking and moving, and I want to encourage us even now to respond in obedience to him. Our pastors, our ministers will be here at the front. And what we want most is for you, sir or ma'am, who are here in person or even if you're streaming online, what we want most is for you to have that relationship with God through faith in Jesus that, that we have. We want you to know that that forgiveness of sin is available 
because of the work of Christ on the cross of Calvary, by way of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have an opportunity to receive forgiveness of sin and be made right with God. We have an opportunity to enter into a relationship with God as we respond to the grace of God at work in our lives. Even now, that feeling of, of wanting to make this decision, that's the grace of God at work in your life, drawing you closer to him. And, and we enter that relationship with God as we respond to God's grace by placing our faith in Jesus and trusting in his finished work on the cross, trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection for our way into a relationship with God. Because it was at the cross that God counted our sin to Christ and it was at the cross that God counted and reckoned Christ's perfect righteousness to us. So we would love to have the privilege of introducing you to Jesus this morning. But let me also share with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to encourage you just to respond as the Spirit's moving and speaking. We need one another, and we've already seen this in the Word of God. We saw this actually in the midst of our time together in the Word with our brother Agunda, his wife Patricia, and we responded quickly and immediately. And so let's continue responding quickly and immediately. Maybe it's through praying, praying for one another. Maybe it's through encouraging one another. Maybe it's to go and bless one another. Maybe it's come and kneel and to begin that restoration work with one another. Maybe it's just to go and express our love for one another. That's what we do because we're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So let's take these moments and let's respond in obedience to the Lord. Let's walk by the Spirit as we worship God and our response to God. Let's stand and say yes to Him.